Welcome back to the Midwifery Wisdom Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lovely co-host, Augustine, as she talks with one of our own Midwifery Wisdom team members and course instructor, Melissa Neely. Melissa is the instructor for our course, Advanced Evaluation of Lactation and Oral Function Postpartum. And trust me, if you haven't taken the course yet, nothing will be stopping you after hearing the incredible discussion both Augustine and Melissa have in this episode. In this episode, Melissa shares her personal journey with tongue tie, including a botched revision at the age of 18 and another revision, spoiler alert, this one worked, in her 30s. She shares how she went from being a total unbeliever that tongue ties were even a thing to now being the go-to expert teaching a comprehensive course on the subject. You're going to get a little sneak peek into the course content in this episode. Melissa will share an intro on the history of tongue ties, some of the physical and mental impacts of tongue ties, and so much more. Okay, okay, I'll stop talking. I'm so excited for you to hear this incredible episode. Let's dive in. Well, hi, and welcome back to the Middle Free Wisdom Podcast. And I'm so excited to be joined my, by my friend and my colleague and a previous past little bit of a student, Melissa. So happy to be here. Melissa is in a little bit south of Houston, Texas. And she is a longtime lactation consultant and a fairly new midwife experiencing all the joys of the first year of her practice, which is as many shoulder dystocias in a row as you can experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I right? That's been the yeah. pattern I've seen happen before. Yeah. But more than that, um, Melissa is one of our educators. And she is the author of one of our courses. And it's a course that I think should be required viewing for all midwives. And I think we need to tell more people about it, which is why this is happening today. So if you're one of our podcast listeners and you like to see courses from us, this is one that should be on your list. Melissa, tell us the title of your course. And then we're going to jump into like how you got into this world because it's a very interesting, randomly political space. And I want to hear all about it. Uh, I was like, oh, crud, what is the name of my course? Advanced Evaluation of Breastfeeding Difficulties? Maybe? I remember the advanced (laughs) evaluation part. It is advanced evaluation of lactation and oral function, my dear. Lactation and oral function. That is better. Okay, good. I was like, what was the last part? (laughs) It is an advanced deep dive into what I think has been a really neglected part of breastfeeding education. So we talk a lot about, about the mouth that attaches to the breast, this oral function piece. And this is the subject that you have become a literal expert on. How did you get interested? How did you get interested in looking at the other piece of this equation? So some of it is luck because I had a tongue tie to the tip of my tongue and I was an opera singer and I had a vocal teacher who was absolutely convinced that the reason I could not roll my R's was because I had a tongue tie. Now there was another teacher who was like, BS, if she'd been born in Mexico, she'd have freaking figured it out. What I wish they had known was that a lot of the vocal production issues I was having were in fact related to tongue tie. And so I knew when I was 18 that I had a tongue tie, that it was somehow affecting my phonation, my ability to sing and speak and exist. And I went to my mom and was like, I want to be an opera singer and I need to fix this. And there was a dentist who worked in the same building as her. And she had me like go one afternoon after school. And he sort of like it was it was so traumatic it was bad um there was no anesthesia there was no topical he clipped the anterior portion of my tongue tie um it hurt like a mofo I was given no exercises just like this is so silly that I'm doing this for your mom uh whatever um and then I went on about my way thinking it was fixed and then when I had my daughter 
and I was super reading all the books, every book you could find. And it was like, and tongue tie can affect breastfeeding. And I was like, well, crap, I had a tongue tie. I wonder if my kid's going to have a tongue tie. And so when I asked this cute pediatric resident who looked like he was 12, um, hey, does my daughter have a tongue tie? He glanced in her mouth and was like, no. She had a completely anterior tongue tie all the way to the tip of her tongue. We breastfed with so many issues, so many issues. I had mastitis 20 times in the first year of lactation. And so I learned- Oh my God, that's horrible. It was awful. So I learned all the things about tongue tie, not necessarily then because I was part of La Leche League and I was being told, well, some babies are just like that. Sometimes they do need to nurse every hour. Yeah, you just need to kind of suck it up. You're a first time mom. You don't really mm-hmm. know what you're talking about. There was a lot of kind of brushing off and yeah. dismissing. And so I started doing research about everything I could possibly do. So pediatric resident had no idea what was going on. And I learned through the hard way of all the things that can go wrong with the tongue tie. And then when my daughter was born, I had a midwife who was like, hey, did you know she has a tongue tie? But don't do anything about it because it's really traumatic. And so mm-hmm. I investigated, I looked for things. I also had some serious postpartum mood disorders going on and anxiety and could not. But that might've even been confirmed by your own experience of it being traumatic and painful. Mm-hmm. And then when my son was born, similar, the midwife was like, hey, did you know he has like every tie you can have? lips, cheeks, tongue. There's this really cool place called Kidstown, which I ended up working for. And you should consider that. And I, again, postpartum mood disorders, the idea of going somewhere I was unfamiliar with was terrible. It was not an option actually for me. And so I had her clip the anterior portion and was like, it feels fine now. Great. We still went on to have tons of issues. But at that same time, I was doing my deep dive into why does everybody say tongue tie is a thing? Like, I don't understand it. I'm a, I'm a lactation consultant. I don't understand. I've done the Leche League. This is, you know, everybody talks about tongue tie. I'm so sick of it. I'm going to figure out why these people are saying you've got to do exercises because as a new mom, ain't nobody got time for that. And why do you have to do this? And why do you have to do that? And why are we doing surgery? And why are we recommending body work? What the hell? This is so much time and money and it's ridiculous. And then oh, and, we, and the especially those of us who are like midwife purists and we're like, the body is miraculous and it's made the way it's made and it works, right? Like we yes. definitely, it's really hard to get on board with what I have come to realize is the reality and the truth. And I think you have too, but it's really hard. It like mm-hmm. smacks a bunch of your core beliefs right in the face. Yes. You know? Super yeah. does. Um, and at yeah. that time I was Catholic and like God made our body this way. And this is how it's supposed uh. to be. And if God made my child this way, this is what was intended. And mm. so it was, it was serious core beliefs. It's rough. Why would I It's rough. Mm-hmm. do something to my child that's going to cause them pain when I just worked real hard to have that beautiful home birth? Um, and we didn't do this, this, and to this. avoid the pain. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so yeah. like, it was hard. And then to come full circle and be like, oh no, this is a thing. And not only is this a thing, I can stand here and go, I am the poster child for adult tongue tie. And go, oh my God, I need to address my tongue tie, addressing my older children. Because then by the time I got fully convinced, I think my kids were six, four, and two. And then it took us a year to prep and all of us had it done. So they were seven, five, three, and I was 36. And so we- Wow. Well, I want to hear all those stories. But first, before we go into that, I want to go back to like what finally- convinced you like how did you turn this corner from being confronted in your core beliefs to being like the evidence makes sense I see it now I think the amount the mountain of research that I was being presented with because I was going to okay there's a woman named Suzanne Jewell she's amazing she owns Bayou City Breastfeeding which as far as I know is the largest 
group of lactation consultants, at least in Texas, if not the country. And she was a friend of mine. I went to her. I was like, why? What are you doing? Like, like, and I was kind of confrontational and was like, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why you're doing it. Um, tell me why. And instead of telling me yeah, why surgery, a newborn's baby's mouth is intense. Yeah. 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 And she why did are the you best doing thing okay, possible. So what'd she say? What'd she do? She said, I need you to go look at Dr. Zaghi. I need you to go look at Dr. Gahiri. I need you to go look at the, all of these studies. I need you to go read this book and this book and this book, and then we can talk, which is kind of what I tell my moms to do when like grandma's naysaying home birth. And I'm like, no, no, no. They can't get on the same page of you until they have the same information as you. So tell them to go read this book. When they've read that book, you can have the conversation. And so she gave me this list of things to go read. What and book I is was that for childbirth, by the way? Oh gosh, that depends. What book is I think it's childbirth. Come I on, don't come know. on, tell me. What, what do you recommend? I'm really curious. At the time okay. it was Ina May. Now it's, now I don't know. So one of my clients recommended me this tome called like um, how to have a natural birth. And it's like 700 something pages. And I was like, that might be a little much um, for grandma. For grandma. Yeah. <laughs> what about um, home delivery is not, not just for pizza. What about that book? Oh like yeah. That that's a really good one. I like that one. There's another one called why home birth. That's another one. Yeah. That was and a, that's a documentary really too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. We digress. Sorry. So you went <laughs> on this research. We're going to do that by the way. Note to listeners. <laughs> you have two of the most neurodiverse from midwifery wisdom in the same room. <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> what you, you read all this research and can you remember what little nugget or where the point was where the flips the switch flipped for you was it like about breastfeeding function mother pain digestion central nervous system function immune system like there's so many reasons right but like what was it that like flipped the switch for you the connection to adhd and sleep oh god that's a good one okay okay so what did you learn in this particular lane so it was that okay if you have a tongue tie your tongue is tethered to the floor of your mouth what you're supposed to do is suction the tongue to the roof of your mouth when you're at rest including when you're asleep and I know I'm a mouth breather multiple pictures of my like me with my kids with my mouth gaping open um while you're asleep while I'm asleep and then well and I mean I even was mouth breathing just to exist because I, the longer you do that, you fail to suction your tongue to the roof of your mouth, you're actually changing the shape of your sinuses. And so for years I have done this, therefore it was literally shrinking my nasal airway. So the capacity to get enough air in through my nose truly was not there yet. And you have to build it back mm. up. So my and tongue reducing to, and reducing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So my tongue suction to the roof of my mouth was not happening. And what happens is because it's tethered to the floor as you're sleeping, it falls back over your airway, you're relaxed. And so I know a lot about oral structures because of my time as an opera singer. And so when the tongue is falling over the airway, you're having mild sleep apnea and therefore mild sleep apnea looks like symptoms. Or significant. Yeah. And so and at the time I was of ADHD, ADHD include mild memory loss, um, in, ineffective energy patterns, um, mood changes, sleepiness in the daytime, alertness in the nighttime, uh, concentration problems. I mean, keep going, right? Like these are symptoms of ADHD and they can absolutely be related to chronic sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. There's so much there. And like looking at, you know, I always joked about, oh, I have ADHD. Like I never received a formal diagnosis. I just joked when I was incredibly forgetful and didn't get things done and procrastinated and all these things. And then looking at, okay, no, I absolutely need caffeine to function. I can drink caffeine at the time. Now I can't, but at the time I could drink caffeine at 7 PM and fall asleep at eight. Like there was no issue with that was helping me focus 
It was Mm -hmm. not stimulating me to stay awake. That was the only reason I could focus. And there were other things at play at the time, you know, didn't know then what I know now about ferritin. Thank you, Augustine. But like, just only had to almost die to get that information. So you're no girl. (laughs) I know. But yeah, there's, there's so much that mimics, you know, mental fog, brain fog, postpartum. Oh, well, you're just a mom. Yeah, of course you're forgetful. You have mom brain. Oh, you have pregnancy brain. And I was like, but these, yeah, these you were are explaining away all the symptoms. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I was going to say like the next piece of the puzzle that I want to unravel, like I want to hear the story of, of the revision because I think that's really fascinating and especially the before and after. But I also, um, in my own research, have really discovered this link between ADHD and neurodiversity and connective tissue disorders, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really interesting given the frenulum being a part of the myofascial network. Tell me more about this research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the midline. The midline and... defects and all that. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a really, <laughs> let me tell you all the books you should read. Um, there's a lovely <laughs> book and it actually, she has several books. Mm-hmm. It's specifically, she's looking at retained reflexes and talking about that, you know, reintegration is often this midline aspect and there are the fascial. Okay. So let's talk about fascia. I think fascia is the coolest organ in the body. And when I use the word fascia, I'm specifically talking about the spider webby, super strong connective tissue that runs everywhere. It's ubiquitous. There's no beginning. There's no end. It is the shaper of the body. It keeps every single thing where it's supposed to be. And there is mm-hmm. lots of research that a tongue tie is an extra, like, it's like a snag in your stockings. It's a bunched up, held fold of fascia. And the problem with the fascial network is that if you mm-hmm. have a bunched up held spot that literally translates all over your body, So if you have a bunched up held spot in your tongue, that means you might be the toe walker when you're a baby, because it literally pulls everything towards your tongue. So you're walking around on tiptoes. It makes you more likely to have reflux. It makes you more likely to have decreased skull growth because your skull is literally not expanding as much as it would because it's held on your tongue. Um, It means your jaw is not growing forward and out because it's held backwards by that fascial network. So you have the recessed jaw, you have overbite, underbite, crossbite, all of those things. You have tension, you can have TMJ dysfunction. You can have that cartilage aspect. You can have it literally holding your entire fascia kind of captive because it can't stretch and move the way that it should. So it actually keeps your shoulders up around your ears. And because it's on the front, yeah. That because it's on the front, it also affects your rib cage and your respiration. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's mm. ridiculous. And we know statistically that midline defects are on the rise. Midline mm-hmm. defects are on the rise because of environmental exposure, environmental poisons, water pollutants, air pollutants, endocrine disruptors. After Fukushima, all of the babies born on the West coast of the United States had a 300% increased risk of thyroid disorders, right? We know that Mm -hmm. environmental toxins change the biology of the environment. They also change our environment. And so this is part of, is looking not just at this baby's tongue tie, but all babies in this environment, why is it different now than before? So keep going. Yeah. And to that aspect, I think that's the harder thing for me because it's frustrating, right? Because if you talk to a midwife who's been a midwife for 30, 40 years, they're like, we didn't see this. This was not a thing. This is the disease du jour. Okay. Well, it's been the disease du jour for the past 15 years. So, you know, I like the Weston A. Price. I don't like all of his stuff, but Weston A. Price really gets into, this is a issue with Western diet within one generation of introducing a soft food, Western diet, you have decreased jaw space. You don't have room for your molars. You don't have room. 
compressed palate. And that's also part of that mm-hmm. tongue tie, the tongue not suctioning to the roof of the mouth. It's supposed to pull the palate down and out with the suction because remember muscles move bones just because your palate and skull are you know very hard and we think of them as immobile they're not immobile and especially not in an infant and the other issue is we're talking about tongue tie and thinking it just happened the baby just got here no 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 let's think about embryology that baby has had a tongue tie since 6 to 13 weeks of pregnancy because that's when the tongue is differentiating from the floor of the mouth that's when the palate is forming by 13 weeks we have a palate if the tongue is not suctioning at that point we're talking about 8 months of a baby who is not ossified, who should be pulling mm-hmm. that palate down and out and creating this broad, wide mm-hmm. palate, not this tall, narrow, like my face. Anybody who's ever seen a picture of me, I have a tall, skinny face. You can literally feel my skull come to like a point. It's not quite the cone heads, but like it comes to this elevated point and my palate is mimicking it. It's this like mirror mm-hmm. image. So well, this it's just like not- rocks and water, right? Rocks are immobile until they have enough passage of water. And then the erosion process, the change process happens. And so the same thing is happening with the soft structures of the mouth against the harder palate structures. It's really, it's really fascinating. And I think this is such a perfect example of how so much of medicine and sometimes by default midwifery is missing the holistic picture, right? Yes. There's there's talk about- Nutrient. There's so much, like so much of the techniques. Yeah, then we could go into, (laughs) there's so many pathways, but there's so much talk about like technique, right? Or clinical uh, skill. But if you don't extrapolate technique and clinical skill into the physiology of that person's body, the- energy of the couple, the, the mm-hmm. drama of the family, the ecology of the environment. Like it is, we are these it's multi-layered uh, situations, multi-layered organizations. And this is what I really respect about what you've done for this particular topic. And we could do this, you know, in everything. And this is something else Nicole Morales does in much of her education, right? Is really looking at the zooming out it's not just the whole it's the whole right her famous quote yes and I I really love this what you're doing in the opposite direction you know you're you're up here and it's it's really profound uh thinking about zooming out to all of these layers that influence that one baby's and 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 dyad's relationship oh you have heard some juicy goodness so far The impact of tongue tie on the body for the baby and mother, a small intro into fascia, and there is so much more goodness coming, including Melissa's personal experience of having a revision done as an adult. But we could not continue on without giving another shout out to Melissa's course, Advanced Evaluation of Lactation and Oral Function Postpartum. As Augustine said at the beginning, This is a course all providers should take. You'll dive into the etiology and history of tongue ties, when, why, and how to assess tongue ties, and much more. Melissa is always updating and adding new content as more research and information emerges. Trust me, you don't want to miss this opportunity to further empower yourself with incredible knowledge to help your clients along their postpartum journey. So, so let's talk a little bit about what this was like to make the decision to have a revision as an adult. And before we do that, or maybe after, yeah, no, go ahead. You tell this story. No. Um, well, I'm also like, oh, but now I want to talk about nutrients. I'm organizing about things nutrient in my brain. Deficiencies and, and the epigenetic roles. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going yeah, on yeah. different trains. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast, baby. That's a I whole nother podcast. We're going to do that's it, also, it's, it's a different convo. <laughs> I know. I was like, and that's that incidence of treatment. There's so we'll do a part two. to unpack. Okay. Um, we'll do a part two. So, yeah. well, that's why you made a course. Remember people can take the course from course. you. They can take a course. <laughs> it's not, I guess I want to go back to the original question oh. and come back here. Um, it's not overnight. We're talking about multi-generational impact of soft food and trying to grow food quickly to feed our giant population. 
and we're talking about what we've had to do to our plants in order to feed a giant population. And I'm not. Well, I, can I put it? This is really, this is really like, um, hi, welcome to neurodiversity. I apologize for interrupting you right this second, but uh, can, can I, I have a little pet, I have a little pet peeve. Um, it's not the giant population. It's the corporate That's industrial fair. food farming practices. Well, yeah. We, we actually have a, have a falling population right now. It's that nobody grows their own food anymore. If we were still right. in charge of our own ecosystem, yeah. there would not be a shortage of food because there's plenty of seeds and there's right. plenty of ground. It's just that we're not, yes. we're trying to we're do it at mass it. scale with profits. That's the problem. Yeah, okay. exactly. And Sorry. so we've got those chemical <laughs> aspects. We've got not enough nutrients and it's at farming practices. We don't have enough nutrients in the ground and we've got plants that grow very quickly. And so they're pulled before they can even absorb what very few nutrients there are. So like, even like my, I have yeah. a pregnant mom. She's like the fourth time mom. And she's like, can I be on too many supplements? You have me on a lot of supplements. I'm like, Ooh, that's a whole unpacking girl. No, the short answer is no. Do you want the long answer? Cause the long answer is we do not get enough nutrients in the food that we are getting. Like, unless you grow your own, you have to be pre pre-1940. Pre-1940 yes. to get enough nutrients from your food. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so when we're not getting enough nutrients, we're not getting that N-acetylcysteine. We've got that MTHFR gene aspect, which also is included with that neurodiverse aspect with the tissue. Yep. Like, yep. We're having trouble methylating. And then we're giving you crappy folic acid that your body can't do anything with. And then it circulates and hangs out. Well, and that's just one of so many artificially created. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're so right. You things. got it. You got it. So many so things. Many this things. is the second podcast, part two. I know. Okay. Okay. So for me, I think for me, I thought it would be, oh, so cute. Um, I thought it would be a cure for ADHD. And that was- <laughs> I love that about you. I love that for you. I wish that worked <laughs> for you. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. It's very cute. No judgment um, at all. Love no, that. and I don't, and I don't. <laughs> and I was, you know, that was years ago. And, you know, that was very cute, Melissa. Past Melissa, that was cute. Um, I will say, I think the other aspect was the Did shoulder tension. Oh my God, yes. Um, the, I could yeah. tell as they were doing it, okay, because, you know, story. I'm an adult. It's not fast. It's slower work because now I've got more vasculature that they're, you know, trying not to hit with the laser because, hitting vasculature with a laser is not great. Um, and I could tell which side of the frenulum they were working on because my shoulder would just suddenly drop. And I was like, are you working on the left really? side? And she's like, yes, stop talking. But yeah, yeah. You, it would just be like, all of a sudden my right shoulder would drop like an eighth of an inch. And I'm like, what? Whoa. And so it's, as Whoa. you're releasing that tension, you're feeling your shoulders drop incrementally. And like, when I sat up, I didn't know I could take a breath that deep. I didn't know that my shoulders Whoa. went that far away from my ears. Whoa. I didn't know I was capable of that. And then, oh my gosh, sleep ever since has been so much better. Like, and as a midwife, ha having quality sleep when you get the sleep, very important. Wow. So, well, so that's big. Like just those few changes. And I know there were more you noticed over time, but those like instant change in your physiology. Yeah. How was your, how were your symptoms of ADHD? I mean, I mean, I know you're pretty open about your neurodiversity yeah. and your reality there. Like I am. So like how, how, how did, how was your relationship with the various quote unquote negative symptoms of ADHD after this procedure? I will, I tell everyone, I'm like, there are two medical things I have done in my life that have vastly changed my ability to focus. One was doing iron infusions and one was my tongue tie release. Like those two things mm. combined, the ability to um, go do the thing, that initiation step that's difficult for ADHD was so much easier, partly because of rest, the ability yeah, to, when I'm hyper-focusing in order to get into hyper-focus, you know, like little things will pull you if you're not super into it, the little things might not pull me as easily, or if they did, I could come back to my task and yeah. not be so thrown. 
How many people with ADHD's symptoms are exacerbated so terribly because of their inability to actually close their mouth and breathe through their nose? Not to mention the nitric acid that's produced when you breathe through your nose. Like there's so many levels to that. I know. But it just makes my heart break, right? I know. It just makes my heart break. I know. Because it is. And and partly for myself, as you know, I'm headed this (laughs) way myself. Yay! Now... I know, right? Now might be a good a good time. So I challenge you to. Well, first I'm going to show what a friend you what a friend your one is. Hmm? Uh huh. That's oh uh-huh. I forgot I forgot how yours was, Dan girl. Oh, so you're supposed to be able to stick your tongue out of your mouth. Well, you got over your lower lip. You I can't go any point. further than my lips. Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. But it's that's good. The tips start to curl under your lip because it's tied you're also you're supposed to be able to touch the tongue to the roof of your mouth and open your mouth Mm -hmm. so okay let's take that a step further you're supposed to suction it so like if you make a okay sound and then you feel that pressure you're gonna suction your tongue oh girl um you're gonna suction your tongue (laughs) to the roof of your mouth oh we need to publish the video now it's your turn now it's your turn so you do the exercises that i just did and show the difference yep stick your tongue out <laughs> and I just went and saw the chiropractors. I'm guessing you didn't used to have that range of movement, huh? Oh gosh, no. In my course, there's actually a side by side picture. I probably should put trigger warning um, of pre and post. And I literally, like, I'm almost gotten fifty percent more of being able to drop your jaw because when you suction your tongue, you should be able to. First of all, you if you suction your tongue to the roof of your mouth, you shouldn't be able to breathe through your mouth at that point. It should close off the lower airway you should only be able to breathe through your nose but my favorite was doing that test and being like I can still breathe that's silly because I had my tongue tie fixed and like one of my colleagues being like no baby I see it um you didn't fix it and then um yeah and you also when you do that you should be able to stretch your jaw to 90 well okay 75 to 90% of your full range of motion from dropping your jaw. So if you just drop your jaw, some people already have so much tension built up that they actually can't even open their mouth very wide. And so that actually is a flag. Yeah. Like that, like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause your jaw prevents it because everything's held. So you Mm -hmm. just can't open it. I could open my jaw Mm -hmm. really wide, but you asked me to put my tongue to the roof of my mouth and then drop my jaw. I had almost no, like, no range of motion. And then wow. after the tongue tie release, I can stretch it to at least 90% of my full range of motion of my jaw. Um, and that's where I'm like, as a singer, you're supposed to be able to drop your jaw and in order to project and keep your tongue forward without your larynx coming up. Well, with the fascia being super tight, if your tongue is forward, which you have to have to have a bright sound that will reach the back of an auditorium, your larynx will come up because your tongue and your larynx are connected. Um, your jaw cannot open fully when you're trying to move your tongue forward because so like you've got all this tension. Sound. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was the number yeah. one thing for years and years. They're like, oh, you're just not using your breath right. I actually, um, I was going to collaborate and it fell apart with a um, professor of vocal pedagogy. And we were going to write a paper together and put it out there because I about think this, this. is Miss Sinopra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, oh, I, like, I'm sure. I mean, in so many places, in so many places. Well, so the other thing is about the range of movement, like you were saying. You're supposed to be able to look at the ceiling. Um, how's that going for you? Look, you can see the tension there. Oh my god! Stop. I can't do it. I can't look up. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! Turn to the side. Turn to the side. Do it again. Like you're Speak supposed up, to. So that's another yeah. issue. Is yeah, you're supposed to have a straight out line. of the base of the skull. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. you can't. It's held. Um, and the number of times you see a baby yeah. in baby t- in tummy time that's like pushing up, but like can't lift out of the base of their skull, and they're turning from side to side, but they're looking at the ground, and they can't look up at the caregiver, and that's that to me is that can be tension, but it can also be a tie that is unreleased mm-hmm. because they literally can't because it's being held. And they can't look up. Yeah. You know, it changes eye function. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've I've oftentimes thought about this in relation. Sure, I've thought about it in relation to Sid's death. So mm -hmm. before we turned babies to sleep on their back, those babies that were on their stomach, they didn't suffocate from the blankets. They suffocated from the fact that they're literally tied down without the musculature yeah. to get out of the way. Yes. Would you agree? Yes. <clears throat> um, I have a whole thing. Okay, so I like yeah. Outlander. It's such a pervasive issue. Yeah. It's so big. Yeah. It's so big. Go to the mall. Go to the mall Anymore? and watch kids walk around. Yeah. And it's all mouth-breathing. Mm. Mm. There's so like many levels to this. I mean, and and when you start researching it, you just like drop down a hole. Yeah, it's a big hole. Like rabbit hole. Deep hole. Can'ts. <laughs> but it's small. It's actually reduced. <laughs> no, but it's it's like, it, it's a, it, it just leads you into like more and more well, and, and then, more topics right like and then the health of the soil impacts our baby's faces yeah I mean, and then mm -hmm. let's take that to the next level let's talk as midwives a mom with a tongue tie is more likely to have high blood pressure and preeclampsia because she's not freaking getting freaking oxygen so like tongue tie can affect high blood pressure and preeclampsia it's ridiculous it's ridiculous. And we're talking about multiple God. generations now. And I am very, very grateful. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm grateful for bottles because I would not exist because apparently I tore up my mama's nipple. Yeah. Same. Same. So Same. bottles enabled me to exist. This, this was not a great for latching. Mm -hmm. Same. No. no. Um, I remember when my son latched and I had nursed my middle child who I had a known tongue tie and um, she, it, I didn't realize I had latched, I had been latching in pain for two years. Wow. Wow. And like mm -hmm. it, it, cause it, you know, it low level registers. You're like, yeah, whatever. At this point, I'm just used to it. But when a mom says that to me, they're like, oh yeah, I nursed my toddler. You know, this isn't really registering. I'm like, Ooh, put a pin in that. We're going to come back and look at that baby a little bit closer. I just had a mom that was my lactation client turned midwifery client. And when she said that, I was like, huh, we're going to recheck your baby after they've seen the chiropractor. Cause I just want to be real sure. So, mm -hmm. and tongue function, Oof. cause there's this whole other piece of like, I just want tongue function. I don't particularly care how I get it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a phrenotomy. It a lot of times is a phrenotomy, but sometimes I can get there with exercise and chiropractic alone. And a lot of times I can't. A lot of times we do need that surgical aspect because this is not how we were, this is not how we were meant to be created. This is, this is pathological. And this is environmental yeah. pathology. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm really proud of myself. I yeah. Robin like, Lim talks. Uh, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Uh, um, Robin Lim talks a lot about the pathology of the placenta because of the environmental changes that we're facing. And of course, the placenta also forms off the midline. Yep. And, um, there's the thyroid evidence after Fukushima in the West Coast. And like, I'm just wondering, like, how much more evidence do you think we need as a society before we start paying attention to how the environment that we're creating? Like, you know, Girl, I keep hoping and hoping and hoping. And what hoping. is the percentage of babies that you think have it? What is the percentage of babies you think that have a tongue tie? Okay. So I'm going to put out there that I'm biased and I, this is actually a, a whole, I think 15 minutes of my course and I'm going to pare it down as a lactation consultant. No one is paying me to come unless it's not working. So it feels like every baby has this as a midwife working with clients. A lot of times I can make breastfeeding work, but we're doing it in spite of oral function. Not because we have good oral function, but we're doing it in spite of oral function. So uh, there is not a great, we don't have any studies. The problem is we don't have studies. 
So we have one from the 90s saying 1% to 3%. And then we have clinicians who are working with this population who like, you're probably only going to see them if you know that they know stuff about tongue tie, where they're saying it's 33 to 50%. I will say that in my own practice and in the practice I worked in, in the last two years, I have not encountered but two babies that I will absolutely swear on a stack of Bibles does not have an issue. I think regardless of the actual percentage, that's the trajectory, right? So when I started 25 years ago, um, there were some, like I remember reading about it, seeing it, you know, I knew I had one, so I could, I could kind of look for that. I didn't know the exam process like I do now, but like 25 years ago, I was like, I see that thing in there. You're probably in trouble right there. (laughs) You know, and we all read the stories about the midwives who like sharpened their nails and like did it with their nails. You know, like I was aware, but I wasn't like, I wasn't investigating it. Then, um, maybe 15 years ago when I was in an active, busy practice of my own, um, I started really paying attention to my own clients as opposed to apprenticeships or lactation or doula clients or whatever. But now I have my own busy practice and I'm paying attention to my own clients and I'm seeing the cause and effect because I'm seeing them for all their postpartums. And we have bleeding nipples and we have hysterical moms mm-hmm. and we have failed to thrive babies and we, like something's mm-hmm. not working, right? And so I started to be like, if we just got rid of this frenulum, maybe things would go better. And so we like called the pediatrician. Fuck no. no. We called the EMT guys and we're like, no, no, no. We used to do that. We don't do that anymore. And then I, you know, we'd call the dentists and they'd be like, no, 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 no. That I'm not qualified. That you have to go to the pediatrician. Like there was this total, there was like nobody there. So I talked to some IBCLCs. And they were just like, oh, you need a nipple shield, right? Like this, this is this. this we can is the work around it. We can work and around so, it. Yeah. And I like that was the solution mm-hmm. that, that busy IBCLDs had come up with. Like we use these crutches to get the baby's mouth big enough that eventually mom stops being in pain. And like, Ooh. that's better than and doing then, nothing. Right. And then we get this like lovely myth of it will stretch. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, really? You think so? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh-uh. no, what will no, happen <laughs> is the baby's head gets bigger. So their mouth in relationship to the breast has gotten better. We found different compensations that are working for us now. Doesn't mean it yeah. fixed the problem. In no. relationship to that baby's mouth, that baby without any intervention will have this range of motion. This is what they got. That's right. And they, they are stuck with it unless they are doing exercises and there's some sort of impetus that's causing that baby to do some work or adult. Cause it will say it stays yeah, the, the, forever. Yeah. 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 It, it does look, huh? It does. So, yeah. um, I was, I remember having a client, this was in 2000 and six, I guess, 2006, I had a desperate naturopathic physician client Mm -hmm. and we had extinguished all the other avenues. And she was like, no one will cut my baby's frenulum. Will you please do it? And I was like, well, you're a naturopathic physician. You could do it. She was like, I'm sorry. I cannot put scissors in my baby's mouth. Can you please do it? Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. So I taught myself how to do anterior frenulotomies, which is what you experience with your first experience of it, which is not, does not deal with the posterior, does not deal with any of these things and is sometimes effective on newborns, but frequently the posterior tie prevents any real change. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah, exactly. And so, so that's, um, um, I did that for a few years, but, and we, there's some people who get instant relief from yeah. that release, but it's, you get something generally, I would say 50% of the clients or more, it does not do enough to mm-hmm. warrant the, the, the process is what I would say. Yeah. It doesn't. And then finally the it feels like maybe 
It doesn't resolve so, the issue, but it doesn't even re resolve the breastfeeding problem significantly enough to have warranted right. the stress and the cry and the whatever, you know? Yeah. So I would say about five, maybe eight years ago is when I feel like ancillary professionals started finally waking up about this. Mm -hmm. uh, pediatric dentists, PT, lactation consultants, ENTs, mm -hmm. and eventually slowly a few pediatricians. Um, what do you think caused that change? Like, why have the pediatric dentists, is it just because they can make money off babies or like, why did they finally oh. decide to join our fight for this? So uh, that's the thing I hear most frequently, um, from naysayers who like oral function, this is ridiculous. And there's a large percentage of pediatricians, SLPs and IBCLCs who do not believe this is affecting function at all. And I would, again, I would challenge them to look at various evidences, um, and I often hear, when I used to work in the pediatric dentist's office, I had a dad come in and be like, I think y'all are all giving each other kickbacks. And I was like, no, dude, first of all, that's illegal. Second of all, he's like, no, that's how it works in the business world. I'm like, that may be how it works in the business world. But if I, as a lactation consultant, I'm getting a kickback from a dentist I refer to, like there are laws against that. I'm not I, like, that's not okay. And we're you know how like midwives undercharge and we're not fully being paid what we're worth. Lactation consultants often undercharge. Um, they're not being paid enough um, for the hours that they're working and the amount of effort that they're putting in. There's, it's starting to change, but that's partly economy and inflation and it's not actually even helping. Um, dentists, I really do think it's the growing body of evidence um, or it's their own oh. personal experiences because huh. a lot of the dentists I know in Houston who are doing it, it's because their kid had a, had a tongue tie uh, and no it. one would freaking yeah. do anything about it. I uh, just got uh, into, uh, I got into it with a pediatric dentist recently because I'm doing some long distance lactation consulting for another midwife in the state. And this client comes, she's got every single symptom of tongue tie. She's got a baby that's not transferring milk. She's got a baby that's not latching well. She's got a baby that is tearing up her nipples. And this dentist is refusing. And I'm like, I, they're like, I can't see it. I'm like, then we need more body work or you need to use um, a low level laser that's scattered. It's uh, called BioLase or laughter. You, I promise it's there. And you can have a posterior tie that is under the mucosal layer and you can't visualize mm -hmm. it. And this is literally you why you're here. It. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, I know that sucks as a clinician being like, shit, I'm going to operate on something I can't visualize. And that does suck. And also I know dentists here in Houston who will be like very upfront, have an informed disclosure conversation with the client and be like, this may mm -hmm. not help because it might not be the posterior aspect. It might be tension elsewhere. It might be all these other things and it might help, but I can't guarantee you this is going to solve your issues. You need to work with lactation. You need to work with body work after this, but I will do the procedure. So I get very frustrated because we still have pediatric dentists who quote, do tongue tie and aren't fucking doing anything. And these moms are like, like you said, they're like, well, you know, the dentist says there's not a tongue tie or my pediatrician says there's not a tongue tie. Yeah. They there don't know are, how to examine. Yeah. yeah. Well, this do gets us right back to exam. the, which brings us to the point of this conversation, which is. Y'all, we got a course on that and you can learn with incredibly helpful PDF downloads, videos, audio, incredible written content. Melissa walks you through the entire advanced evaluation of breastfeeding and oral function. <laughs> Plug right there. <laughs> Plug. Well, we'll leave the link in the show notes, one. but seriously, people need to learn how to examine this newborn yes. mouth, the oral function. And it's not just the anatomy, it's, it's the physiology too. And that's, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's that physiology piece. You. It's the functional piece because mm -hmm. I can absolutely have a baby that doesn't look like air quotes. They have a tongue tie, but they sure act like it. And two weeks in we're yeah. struggling. And this is also, um, yeah. I'm just going to put my little, um, my structure for postpartum is different than a lot of midwives. You know, you do that 24 hour check-in. Huh you go 48 hours, you don't see him again until two weeks, at which point the baby is now not back to birth weight. The mom is sobbing. You know, I don't wait that long. I'm going to see them at day one yeah. and do a wait 
then. I see them. And I might see them again. One and three and seven and nine and 14. I see them way more too. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. I also feel like postpartum depression and anxiety is on the rise. And I just think we can't leave our moms alone. So that's a whole other podcast. Mm -hmm. I know. It's so frustrating. And and yep. it, and the other you know next level, this is a bigger societal issue with the lack yes. of care for women. Yes, yes, and lack of acknowledgement of the secondary transformation that they're going through. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, we had oh, a fantastic keynote, keynote. Matressa. I know we had a fantastic keynote at this uh, this year's uh, experience. Um, Dr. Sanel Patel, who's a home visiting perinatologist who talks about the progesterone drop and the crisis in matrescence. Absolutely. Well, Melissa, it's been the pleasure that I knew it would be. You are just such an extraordinary thinker and educator. Um, and I'm so glad that you compiled all of this research in one place so that people can up-level their skills and also have access to you. I just saw one of your comments come through in the chat. So at the end of every section, there's a place to leave comments or ask questions and Melissa herself answers them. There's a really helpful downloadable PDF to walk you through the whole process. And uh, it's it's a, a really worthy course. We can uh, alleviate a whole bunch of suffering and really up-level our postpartum skill with this course. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for hosting it. If somebody wants to come and chat with you and follow, where would they do that? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Spiral Path Midwifery. You can find me on Facebook, Spiral Path Midwifery, or you can find my personal page, um, Melissa Neely. And my phone number is all over the internet. If you can't get cool. me through those, text me. Text me.